Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Sportsish with Elisa Hernandez. This week, I am joined by my friend, NFL Network analyst, host, and nine-year NFL veteran, and internationally known. Maurice Jones true MJD I appreciate you joining the show especially because you threatened to walk out because of my USC shirt that I just had to have on for today's show I mean I, I again people that go to that school have no like consideration for others which is understandable <laughs> spoiled children never do what but as a Bruin it's okay I'm, I'm I've been told to forgive uh-huh. I forget but forgive and I you know we'll finish this wonderful podcast you have <laughs> Uh, University of Special Children, thank you very much, because we go on to do very special things. But so do you. I'll give UCLA a shout out, because I will say that I've actually had more UCLA alumni on my show than I have USC. So I have to get better at that, because I've been showing you guys too much love. I'm going to think that I like y'all. So yeah, You do, though. Everybody, <laughs> you know you know what the funny thing about it is? As, as much as we, we trash talk each other, so many people from UCLA go to grad school at SC or vice versa. And it just... <laughs> yeah. It's all one big mixed up thing. That's true. I think I, even at the bookstore, we sell like house divided stickers and it has that like UCLA and USC stickers. Like that's exactly. that's like legit in our bookstore. So it's like it's it's all love in the end, even though we're better. Anyways, so uh, do you actually remember a few years back we made a bet? We had like this little tradition where we had where we always made a bet of the UCLA USC game. And of course I won that year, but you went on NFL now rocking a USC Jersey. Do you remember that? Oh, I remember it. I mean, (laughs) that, you know, that was when we were, we weren't rolling, but the funny thing is like (laughs) after that year, I want to say UCLA won like four straight. We never for some reason (laughs) made that same bet. So you know how it is, how it goes. (laughs) Well, I have to ask you going back to your UCLA days, what was your best game against USC that you remember? Uh, I think maybe my freshman year, possibly. Um, my sophomore year, I was hurt. Junior year was, we weren't, we weren't, we we had a good season. We kind of went in there and stumbled a little bit. My freshman year, though, I scored, I think, either once or twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a 90-yard or 98-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. Um, it was kind of like, you know, I was a freshman. Reggie Bush was a freshman. Um, we were, you know, I had got recruited to USC to go there. Um, and so it, it was, it was a great game. I, I mean, I thought all the years that I, I played against them, uh, the uh, competition was high level. Uh, you guys had like 30 guys get drafted, uh, <laughs> some backups in some cases. Right. Uh, so it shows how talented you guys were. And, uh, we were trying to build a program over at UCLA and we, we were able to, when I left, end up going from a six and seven or seven, a six and seven team to a 10 and two team, which was very important for us. How did you make that decision to go to UCLA? You said you were getting recruited by USC. You obviously know the history of both colleges. What ultimately swayed you that way, knowing coming from the Bay Area too? Yeah. Um, so a couple of things. One, I didn't want to go to Cal because my mom, from where I live, would drive past Berkeley every day to get to, get to work. <laughs> and so I was like, that's not going to work for me. But I wanted to be close enough to home where if something were to happen, I can get back home in a, in a meaningful time. And mm-hmm. so that kind of knocked out some other places. But there was a coach, Eric Bieniemy, who's now the OC at the Chiefs. He recruited me out of high school to Colorado. Once he, he left Colorado, went to UCLA, and I kind of just followed him there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you had some connections there. 
And how big was it when you guys played Cal? Like, did your mom go to those? How many, I guess how many games oh. did your black mom go to? Oh, she went to I think they went to all except one. And the one they okay. didn't go to, I got hurt. So they were like, <laughs> well, we will never miss another game uh, in college at least. So that was, that was fun. It was exciting. Um, to me, it was, you know, to have my parents be able to drive, my grandparents be able to drive four hours, five hours down. Or if we did play at Cal or Stanford to be there or mm-hmm. fly to Oregon or Washington or wherever it might have been, they made all the games. And so uh, it was it was it's, it's always good to have that type of support. Um, and so it was fun. You know, again, like I wanted to be able to make sure that they could come to games. Uh, originally, I was like, I'm going to go to Florida. Then I then someone was like, bro, but your parents are going to be able to see you play. And I was like, <laughs> let me. OK, you're exactly right. Let me rewind this and, and, and kind of back it up a little bit. But. Uh, going, going to LA and being able to play in all these different, you know, close by a couple States here, a couple States there. Uh, we never really played. I think the first we went was Illinois, which mm. is in Champaign, uh, which is right outside of Chicago. I was, they flew to Chicago, had a good time in Chicago, <laughs> came and watched me play. Right. So having that type of support always was, you know, big for me. So then safe travel wasn't an obstacle or something that you were thinking about. What school would you have gone to? I wanted to go to Miami. Uh, just because there was a guy out of uh, my high school a couple years before me that went, and a couple mm-hmm. of the guys we were kind of talking about going there. Um, mm-hmm. But to be honest, like UCLA, when I finally just went to UCLA, yeah, it was just a perfect fit, right? It was it was everything that I was looking for in a campus, everything that I was looking for in life. I think the reason I, I'm able to do TV now is because I went to college in LA, mm-hmm. um, and I have a name there. And so mm-hmm. if I'd have went to Miami, if I'd have went to some of these other schools. Uh, it'd have been a little bit different because my name would be big in that area, but not in the city and in, in the in the county of Los Angeles. In the number two market in the country. Exactly. So you're saying you always got to think ahead. Well, on September 14, 2004, you posted school records of 322 rushing yards and five rushing touchdowns at Washington. I'm assuming your parents were there, given that yeah. the story you just told me. Would you say that was your best game at UCLA or do you have another favorite one that you look uh, on? That was, that was, listen, that was a really good game. Um, <laughs> yeah, you showed up. Yeah, we, we, were, we, we played really well that game. It, it was a good one. Um, I would say that one or my junior year against Cal where I scored five touchdowns, but I did it in different ways. Oh, uh, I had a couple receiving, a couple rushing, and a couple returns. So mm-hmm. that, that was uh, kind of showed my versatility a little bit, um, which helped me. I think that game kind of helped me get drafted where I got drafted. Because a lot of guys just thought I was a running back until they saw me return punts and kicks mm. and I was catching the ball out of the backfield. So um, it was, you know, I, I think both games showed what I could do. Uh, yeah. Washington is always a good one for me because <laughs> my high school that year lost to a team in Washington right before that. I was a little oh. upset about that. We had a streak where we didn't lose for 13 years. And <laughs> yeah. that, was the first, yeah, that was the first loss. And so <laughs> I wanted to go up there and avenge. You know, before this is before the Avengers and Iron Man. Like I was avenging the loss of the great De La Salle High School. So uh, <laughs> the, the original no, superhero. No question. <laughs> so you had a lot of success in college. Like you said, all these games projected you into a big NFL spot once you got into the league. Obviously, we have to say that the NIL era is here. What would that have meant to a young MJD? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because you know, I'm gonna throw a little shade here, but like some guys were getting paid in college. I just want to make it like before I mean, the NLI or whatever this is called. Some people were getting paid. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you can't um, live off of a $600 stipend in LA. I'm not I saying mean, I'm their just... name, <laughs> but I'm saying there's another school in Los Angeles that was paying players during the time I was there. No disrespect. Um, but, um, 
Kelsey to LA, I think. I, so this is the thing, <laughs> and I'm gonna be honest with you. If because of this NLI thing, I think USC and UCLA should get all the players because you're in the mm. number two media market, really the number one media market for college football, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, New York doesn't have big time football, and DC doesn't have big time college football there. So you're coming to LA where you're in the pack, you got a chance to meet all these people. Mm-hmm. It should open up for me. Oh, I would have loved it because <laughs> I I wouldn't have I wouldn't have been like starving on campus, right? Mm-hmm. My mom wouldn't have had to work two or three jobs to make sure that I had money for when mm-hmm. you know the dorms closed or you know we couldn't feed ourselves and those type of things. So um, to me, it, it, I think it gives people an opportunity. Yes, some people don't like it, but and I've always believed this. Why is it okay for the school to make all the money off the players, but not the players to make money off themselves? Mm-hmm. When, when, like, when has that ever been okay in this world? And exactly. so I think the NCAA had to do that. If they didn't, it was going to be a big issue. Um, I think that you're seeing players now signing, you know, deals of upwards of almost a million plus dollars. Yeah. Like imagine if Reggie Bush or some of these guys that had all this hype, you know, yeah. some of us that had some hype, we would have made a ton of money. Right. Yeah. And so again, those are like you in life, we're trying to maximize our earning potential in any mm-hmm. way, shape or form. If it's via podcast, if it's via just working, you want to maximize your earning potential where back then in college, we didn't have that opportunity to, we had to wait till we got to the NFL. I'm happy for these young guys who could do it in high school who could do it in college and who will be the, the ability to do it at pros as well. You know, you make a really good point because to me, I feel that people that don't play sports or college sports, they tend to over glamorize what that life is like. And I've seen it firsthand in college with through my friends and things like that. And there, there's no time for internships. There's no time to build out a job resume or anything because you're always on a strict schedule of practice, morning practice, workout, team meetings, uh, team building, you know, going out class. You know, class on top of all of that actual class. And so I feel like it's over glamorized in the sense of, yeah, sometimes the players have to go to the free dinners all the time, but they don't want to eat that all the time because the same right. stuff. Every day. It's, it's so funny. I'll tell you a story. I remember, I remember being at UCLA and uh, I got into this debate with this kid at lunch and the kid was like, he was he was he thought that it wasn't fair that we didn't we had to like, you know, swipe cards for our scholarship. We got three free meals a day. Right. So mm-hmm. we get breakfast for free at mm-hmm. the dorms. Lunch would be catered and then dinner would be in the dorms. Yeah. And he was like, man, you guys are giving they give you everything. They do this. They do that. And you get free backpacks and free shoes. <laughs> right. And I was like, I looked at him. <laughs> And it, mind you, I'm 18 years old too. And what he didn't know that I was on the debate team in high school. I was oh, like, bro, snap. I said, stop, bro. Like, I was like, you get to have your life though. You get mm-hmm. life. You get to pick and choose what you want to do. Right. Like your time you is your to, own. Yeah. You get to, you get to manage your time. Like you yeah. get to go to class and then from class you get, you get hours to study and do all these things. And then you can kind of go hang out and do whatever you want to do. I was like, we don't get to do that. Yeah. We're up at six o'clock. We're, we're up at 530 every morning, either working out or going to practice. Mm-hmm. From there, we go to class. From class, we go to meetings. And then we practice or work out again after every day. And then at the same time, we, we have a smaller amount of time to study. So yeah. now we have to study and then try to get the same grades and compete in the classroom as you. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you get to work and, like you said, get an internship. You get to prepare yourself for the next level, which we are as well. But I want to say, what is it? 300 kids get drafted every year. Yeah. Maybe, maybe 600 are signed. 
every year, undrafted or drafted. How many college seniors do you think there are in the NAS, um, coming out of college, right? So a lot of these guys are starting behind the eight ball if they don't if they can't do internships or if they can't do yeah. these certain things. And so I pretty much I gave it to him, and then he apologized, and then I took my backpack <laughs> and I walked on with it. You know what I mean? But he was like, "Take a look at my name tag too." Exactly, but I, I just think I think you're exactly right. A lot of people think <laughs> that it's it's and don't get me wrong. There, there's so There's many perks. positives. Of course. You get of course. free education mm-hmm. and all that. But I always said, like, pay me and I'll pay for the education. Because I know we're, we're as a football team, we're- You make 10 times schools, that anyway. You're bringing, you're bringing in all the money to help everyone else, right? Yep. Because of the, the, the nature of our sport. And so yep. to me, it was like, and even at UCLA, we were competing with the basketball team, but they weren't even close to what money they were bringing in. Right. Yeah. We were bringing, they only could fit so many in Poly Pavilion. <laughs> we had the whole Rose Bowl being sold out for games, right? So right. it was like- Dude, we're bringing in a lot of money, um, and yet yeah. you're giving me a, a scholarship that's worth, you know, I think at UCLA, if you're in state, it might have been sixty thousand a year. Mm-hmm. At that time, it's probably more now, but at that time, it may be less than that. To be honest, it might be thirty thousand or forty thousand a year. But compared to the money that we brought in, was it wasn't it didn't even make sense. You know, honestly, to me, I look at it as like, if anything, this is going to encourage guys to stay in school and finish their degree because they're going to want to maximize that potential. And I mean, I don't know how many people you've seen because you you hit on it, but I've seen many players who came in, you know, coming off of a national championship, top tier, you know, cornerback receiver, and then they get hurt. And then they're not put on medical scholarship. And then guess what? Next year, they're not on the team. And they're, and it's always, oh, what happened to that guy? And then it's like, oh, but you see the new guy coming in? And then that that's it. Let alone that guy. I've had a few friends had to drop out, had to transfer yeah. to another school because their family couldn't afford that institution anymore. And it's, so it's, it's so it, funny it, it you say both ways. Well, yeah, it's funny you say that because like it it's. It's a real business. College football is a, a, str- a strict business. It's, it's very NFL-like. Mm-hmm. If you don't produce, they're going to either, you know, retire you, tell you your scholarship is done, because this is what other people don't realize. Your scholarship is renewed every year. It's a one-year scholarship, mm. right? It's not a four-year or five-year. It's a one-year. So you have to perform to keep that scholarship going. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's funny you say that, because I, I remember specifically seeing guys getting kicked off the team. <laughs> Like literally, like you're you're not you're done. We don't want you here. You're kicked off. Wow. And it's like, but what about his family and his yeah. family? He, he chose his school to go here, and this and they're kicking guys off the team left and right, scholarship guys and everything. Yeah. And I'm like, it's, dude, it's cutthroat. It's cutthroat, right? But you're telling mm-hmm. me as an 18 year old, I have to I'll be able to understand that. And so, yeah, um, I'll kind of bring it back a little full circle. I work with a lot of kids here in the Bay Area in high school, and I kind of we try to me and my buddies we try to educate them on what's going on because. I want you to understand when you go to college, you pick a college, you need to compete every day. They, there's, a, there's a coach of mine that used to say this all the time. He says, you compete to play, compete to stay, right? <laughs> and that is the truest statement that you can, you can do because when you stop competing and they start bringing guys in, you kind of fall to the wayside, it's over. You're done. And so yeah. now you have to start life. And for most of us, our life has been revolved around whatever sport that we've been playing, if you're talking mm-hmm. about student athletes in general. And so- it's like now all of a sudden I have to stop doing what I love to do and I have to find something else to kind of sustain my life and, and get mm-hmm. my life going on the right track. And it's stimulate my mind in the same way. Yeah. And it's definitely a tough transition for a lot of athletes yeah. uh, that deal with that. I mean, you 
hit it on the head with that because it's true. And then that transition, especially when you don't see it coming and you have nothing to fall back on, because at the very least you think, okay, well, if this football thing doesn't work out, I can fall back on my degree. But if the football thing doesn't work out, then your degree isn't going to work out because they're going to cut you. And most of the time you can't afford an institution like UCLA or USC. And you pick these schools because they're so high class in what they represent. And then next thing you know, you're stuck holding the bag of taking out loans, uh, figuring out what you want to do. And then next thing you know, I've, I've had guys that they've been able to open their own businesses. I've had other guys that just go into construction. I have other guys that just go into mainstream like work. And I'm just looking at them like you have all this talent, all this potential, but you don't know how to use it. Right. Because you were cut down, like you said, because you're 18, 19, you don't, you're not really grasping the momentum of what that moment is to go to a D1 school and and take on all that responsibility, like you said, to supply the money chain for everybody else. Like, just to be honest. And that's the other thing, like nine out of 10 guys, maybe eight out of 10 guys that go to college, you have not only you to fend for, you got parents that are counting on you, siblings, you know, some have children, you have aunts and uncles, like the whole family's like, man, you got to make it (laughs) because we're struggling, right? And and it's it's crazy to hear that. But I remember like, I like my family, they didn't do that to me. They were they were very protective of me. Mm-hmm. But still, I had that burden of, man, I don't want my mom to have to work two and three jobs anymore. Yeah. Right. I don't want my grandmother to have to work anymore. I want to make sure that they're if, if they don't want to, they don't have to. Yeah. Right. And so that's kind of what drove me throughout college was to keep working and competing was was that like that was part of it. And the other part is I just love to compete and and go out there yeah. and play, but it's always had in the back of my mind. Like if I don't, if I can't perform at a high level, my mom is going to have to work for a yeah. long time. And, and then even if she wanted to, that's fine, but I wanted to give her an option or a choice. Right. And so uh, those things are the things that drive you. It drives everyone. I, I've, I told this story on one of my podcast episodes that my mom actually quit her job. She used to work at a clinic in South central LA. And when I told her I want to go to USC, I mean, MJ, you see me. I'm not going on no basketball scholarship. Okay. So <laughs> my mom actually quit her job at South Central Clinic to get a job at the USC clinic so that she could. This was when I was a freshman in high school. She did that. So she was like, look, I'm going to get my five years by the time you go to college so that the tuition assistance will kick in because I will not be able to pay that for you. And luckily, I was able to get scholarships and things like that. So my tuition assistance with her didn't even kick into my junior year because everything else was covered through scholarships. But I understand that drive of being like, man, like they work so hard. Like I can't draw, I can't, I can't mess up. And it's, it's a lot of pressure for a kid. And I'm sure your parents and like my parents, like, don't worry about that. Just go to school. Right. Yeah. We just want to make a better life for you. Yeah. it's like, yeah, but I want to make a better life for you. (laughs) So how did you handle that pressure of, having kind of like the city, the, you know, your high school, everyone kind of looking to you as like that guy that's going to make it. Um, You know, it's, it's kind of been, for me, I just, I never thought of it as that. I just, mm. I like football fit, fit me very well as a, as a person. It fit my personality as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a very aggressive kid, right? I would like to play <laughs> tag and put right. It's crazy push and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Baseball, I was running through the catcher when you weren't supposed to do it. Soccer, <laughs> I was bumping kids over. And then we went to flag football. And I remember mm-hmm. being in flag for two years when I was seven and eight. And I remember like 
grabbing. It's funny because my my younger son does it. Uh, he gets in the way. Like you almost tackle a kid to grab their flag. So finally, they put me in the tackle <laughs> football. And the first couple, the first couple of weeks, I was like, I didn't know what to do. And then once I figured out how to play it, I I started loving it because mm-hmm. it allows you to get a lot of aggressiveness out. It allows you to kind of express yourself the way you want to. And so when I was playing, I never thought of it as, oh, this is pressure or this is this until I went to college, right? Because <laughs> college, you're a step away from the big leagues. Yeah. And even then in college, my first two years, well, my first year, I didn't think about going to the NFL. My second year, if you remember Maurice Claret and uh, Mike Williams, they declared as sophomores. Mm. So that's when I started to think about it like, oh, like, okay, maybe, <laughs> you know, and I think that's when the pressure started to mount a little bit. Mm. But it started becoming necess- more real. Yeah, it started becoming real because now yeah. I'm a year or two away from possibly going to the NFL and making hopefully making a lot of money. Yeah. Um, the person I have to thank though is Eric Bieniemy, who didn't allow me to to kind of look too far ahead. Right. He he forced us to stay in the moment and compete our butts off and work on our skill and be a better players and better people and better students. Um, because he said like he was he used to always tell us like listen. These scouts come to come to watch you guys, but they're going to ask for your GPA because they want to know if you can retain knowledge, right? So mm-hmm. out of high school, I had a uh, 3.8 GPA. Okay. When I got to UCLA my first year, I didn't have the best GPA to say the <laughs> least. It wasn't, it wasn't really, actually it was like 0.8. Like it was like <laughs> I was about to get kicked out of school because I started getting overwhelmed mm. and I just, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to stop going to school and I'm just going to focus on football. And oh. literally after that first quarter, I got called in by the <laughs> chancellor, the dean, the head of athletics, the head coach, everybody. We're like, like, bro, like you haven't went to school in like weeks. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, man, I got overwhelmed and I just wanted to focus on what I love. And they like, bro, you can't do that. Like you got to do both. And so I was put in a situation wow. where this is how crazy it was, where she, well, I'm telling you how the pressure mounted. So not yeah. only do I have my parents and stuff in the back, but I had to have a 3.0 or higher for the next two years to bring my GPA up. And I had to retake those classes, right? Oh my God. So now all of a sudden, because I got overwhelmed and I stopped doing something, I just focused on football. Yeah. The pressure mounted because now I got to get a Mm 3.0 or higher. I have to still perform at at a high level in football because I want to play in the National Football League. Right. And then I want one of these scouts to come. I want them to see my GPA as being, my accumulative GPA as being a very good one. Yeah. So all these things are going on. Still, I want to have the the nightlife and still have, you know, the college experience. You want to have fun. Have fun and do all those things. But I learned from high school that you have to sacrifice a little bit. You got to sacrifice some things if you want to be great at whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there were nights where I didn't go out, right? There were nights where I stayed in. There were nights where I studied a little harder. There were nights where I did go out, but I woke up early to go work out, right? And so um, I had to make a choice on what was more important. And so to me, football was the most important. It was the first thing I ever loved or taught me what love was. <laughs> and um, I went into it and I was like, yo, like, this is what I want to do. And so um that's kind of how it went. Like the, the pressure and stuff started mounting, but I was able to handle it because I knew the goal that I wanted at the end of the day, it yeah. was worth more than what the pressure was weighing on me. And how important was it? I guess actually my question to you, which I don't know if they do. I'm, a, I'm hoping that they do it now, especially with the NIL changes. Did they ever teach you how to like manage your money? Like going? No. Like, no. 
See, that was always what I wanted. Because shouldn't they? I feel like that's. I, I mean, my parents you taught should, me. We all should learn how to manage money and understand credit and have financial literacy. We also yeah. that should be in high school. That should be right? a high school course, not a I, college I have, course. I have, I have friends that graduated from college and like their credit is like, they're not even worried about their credit the entire time in college and they get out and they try to buy some and it's like, uh, Well, denied. so <laughs> I was lucky because my mom uh, worked for Pacific Bill and she had kind of an understanding of credit that mm. she literally took a card, a Macy's card, put my name on it and would buy like a couple things with it and pay it off. All the time. So when I got to the NFL, I had like 820. I had the highest well, credit there was. Right? <laughs> you were so teaching I, the could, I could pretty much buy anything I wanted. You know what I mean? Yeah. But my mom took that. She was able to do that. Like, no one taught me how to do that. I didn't know how to, I mean, I'm telling, I didn't know how to write a check until like last year because I never wrote a check before. Really? Yeah. I never balanced a checkbook. I never did none of that stuff. I never had to. I just oh, played football. That's true. That's I, true. I was always just played football and paid with credit cards, you know? Yeah. Uh, or paid with a debit card or pay with cash. And so learning financial literacy, learning how to manage your money, learning how to manage your time, mm-hmm. those should be classes taught in high school. And then in college, you should have those as well, especially with the, NL, uh, the NLI. Or mm-hmm. if you're an athlete, that, that program or that school, that athletic department should have someone there to talk to you guys about it. Yeah. Because financial when people advisor know, somebody. You got to get taxed. You're going to get taxed on that money. There's no such thing as free money. So- <laughs> You live in America. You have to pay taxes. So you're making a million dollars. They're going to want, you know, 400,000 of that. Yeah. And so if you don't pay taxes, the IRS don't care if you are a, you know, a high school star or a college star. They don't care about that. Right. They're going to say, this company claimed that they gave you X amount of dollars. We want a piece of it. Yep. Right. And so now in this situation, now, not only now are you going to be, you know, you have a bunch of money. You have tax fraud, right? You don't have the IRS coming down your your throat. Uh, you don't have a lot of stuff going on. And so, uh, one of the things that I try to teach my kids here is just, you know, like understand, you know, everything about money, right? Yeah. Understand money, why they're taxing, why these this cost this way, why like all these things. Because yeah. at the end of the day, if you don't pay taxes, if you don't do the right things. Yeah. Like you're going to go to jail. People go to jail for tax, <laughs> tax fraud and tax evasion all the time. Like it's, yeah. it's a serious thing. It's, you not, know? it's not funny, but it's funny. Cause it's like, people like, they think that comes out left field. Like, wait, like what? And it's like, yes, you have to pay taxes on everything. So think, so think about this. You're 18 years old. There's a, there's a high school senior who just skipped his senior year to go to Ohio State to, to make money on, on the right. NLI thing. If he doesn't understand taxes, in five years, they're going to wait till you get out. And then they're going to come down with the, the biggest. That's what they do. They wait. They don't get you right away. They they, wait, like, they let it kind of grow yeah. and stack. And then they you get all type of little you know fees on top of it. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to hit you when it's at a million dollars. Like, hey, we need a million dollars right now. Because you made this amount throughout college. And if you don't understand that. So if I'm a coach, those are the things we call those distractions, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm a coach, I want to make sure I have a sports psychologist because at you know, the, the dynamic of the locker room has changed now because guys will be making money. Some guys That's won't right. be. So you have that That's kind right. of aspect of it. So you need someone to talk to, but then you also need a financial guy mm-hmm. for them to talk to, right. That can help them with this stuff and how to file taxes and do all those things. Like yep. there's a lot of stuff that you have to be able to, you have to have now as a college athletic department that you would want to have to protect your players and make sure they're still playing at a high level. I'm just hoping that that's the route that at least at the very least at the highest programs go because you're right, because there is going to be that 
And I think that was the argument to not have this happen was the whole like, well, some guys are going to make more. And like, and it's like, yeah, but the punters should not be making as much as the QB anyway. Right. <laughs> so that event, like, that, that's life. That's life. That's life. Well, it's funny that you say uh, all about this mind situation. When you got into the league and you got drafted, what was the first thing you bought? A house. Really? I didn't buy, I, you didn't I go car. A, you huh? went house. So you didn't go car. You went house. No, no. I wasn't. A, I mean, I got a car. I leased all my cars at the time. Smart. Um, and I had a car deal my second year, so I didn't really need a car. Um, okay. But I, I wanted to. I probably should have went townhouse. But it's so crazy coming from California. When you see yeah. a house the size of the one I bought for the price it was, it was like, I can't pass this up. Like, <laughs> it, I think the house that I my mom's house it was the same. I think my mom's house cost like six hundred thousand. Uh-huh. Um, we bought it. She bought it. it cost two hundred thousand. Us uh, throughout California it grew over you know the time I was uh-huh. growing up in it. It was twenty three hundred square feet, four bedrooms, like two and a half bath. Right. Uh-huh. The house that I bought in Jacksonville was seven hundred thousand <laughs> or six hundred thousand. One of the two. Yeah. But it was five bedrooms, five bath, five thousand square feet. It doubled my mom's house <laughs> with a pool and everything <laughs> on the golf course in a gated community. I was like, yo, like, <laughs> I can't pass this up, right? I have to go get this. So yeah. that was the first thing I purchased when I got, um, when Absolutely. I uh, signed my deal. Um, I thought it was, a, it was a tremendous purchase. I got there in 2006 when I sold it in 2013. It, I sold it for a little bit over a million, maybe. Mm, okay. So like it made money, right? Yeah. Um, the whole, I know a lot of people are like, oh, I bought jewelry. I'm not a jewelry guy. I didn't wear jewelry. <laughs> I played video games. So I had the best video games there was, but really that was it. Like I leased all my cars. So I, I was kind of like, I've, I've been more conservative than any, than most people you would think like, oh, I went and bought a Ferrari. Like, oh, I don't like Ferraris. <laughs> um, nothing for me to buy. Right. I mean, Marshawn Lynch definitely followed that suit as well. And I feel like that's the best way to do it. Like, you know, I think he lived off a certain, like saved all his contracts and then saved, like lived off of his endorsements. I believe yeah. he, he said, right. Which to me is the way to, it's the way to go. I think Gronk said he did the same thing. Every, so, if you, if you can get endorsements, that's what you do. That's what we all do. Yeah. Right. Because you want, cause even now at this point, the football money that I've made, I don't touch because I have a job or two jobs that help mm-hmm. supplement that income that I was making for my endorsements. Right. And but when I first got out of the league, I had three jobs. Right. So mm-hmm. I was serious XM NFL network. And I had uh, the Rams, right? So I had I had jobs that were set up for me to go and, you know, kind of supplement what I was doing so that I didn't touch the football money. Because at the end of the day, I retired at 29. Yeah. Hopefully I live to 80. You know, I'm trying to live to 100. <laughs> if I could live that long, like I'm going to need money to last, right? Yeah. You just want to be taken care of. You were like, these health issues going to catch up to me at some point. <laughs> Hopefully they don't. <laughs> Well, you said something about when you were growing up that you used to play really aggressive. And to me, you went to the two franchises, probably the most aggressive fan bases. <laughs> you played for Jacksonville Jaguars and, and then you ended up going home and playing for the Raiders. Both of those fan bases are very, very intense. How did you embrace that culture uh, from Jacksonville and then obviously coming home to the Raiders? Well, when I got to Jacksonville, it was different. Um, mm-hmm. Jacksonville was a different city when I got there. Coming from Los Angeles, where everything is like lights and glamour and all this, <laughs> when you go there, it's much slower. Life is much slower there in Florida, in mm-hmm. Jacksonville, Florida. But um, 
I just love the people there, right? I, yeah. I actually just went, I just went there last week for inside training camp. That's right. And I saw all my old friends, all my old neighbors, like people that I hadn't seen in a while. Went to the old restaurants I used to go to. Everybody's like, man, what have you been doing? Why aren't you back? I love the people there. Loved mm-hmm. them. It was awesome. The fan base, they were hungry for a winner. Uh, tried to win there, just couldn't really get it. But the people, if you treat them the right way, they respect you. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're cool with them, they're they were great with you. And and that's what I wanted to be there. Um, the biggest thing for, for me with the, the Jags is that as I was leaving, they were growing their international base. Right. That's they were right. growing their 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 base in London. And yeah. I remember playing there in 2013. And no one really understood football. And then going back there two years ago for the London games when they played mm-hmm. the Texans um, and seeing the Jag fans everywhere. Right. And so. um their fan base is built in two, but I think that the people in Jacksonville, Florida appreciate that and love that. And the fans in the States love that. But then there's a whole different type of fan base <laughs> in London yeah. that is way more aggressive because they're used to the soccer battles and yeah. that's what they're trying to get their football to be like there, but it's awesome. And uh, I love it. And then coming to Oakland, like I grew up here, right? So mm-hmm. I grew up a Raiders fan. I already knew what that was. I knew um, what it meant. I knew what it meant. Which wasn't a good, which was a good thing sometimes and a bad thing sometimes. <laughs> I remember playing there one time in, in Jacksonville, and you know, people like the Raider fans are t- chirping. Yeah, and I was, I, I was really crazy. I was crazy. But we were at crazy the Super how? Bowl. Like I'm about to tell you, we were at the Super Bowl, <laughs> and I was getting interviewed, and it was the the local channel here always would interview me at the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and they were like, Maurice, man, what was it like playing back home? I was like, you know, it was awesome because I'd played there in high school, right? And I, mm-hmm. I like it, nostalgic and all this, and I was like the the Coliseum was great, but I was like, there were a couple of fans there that were talking crazy. And I was like, I just want to let you guys know, like in the off season, I live here, you know, I, I, I work out here and these are the, these are the restaurants and the bars I frequent. If you really have an issue, you can meet me here on Tuesdays. And th- I was, I was, it was, it was JD. Listen, my grandmother hit me. She was like, boy, what is wrong with you? I was like, I know I lost it. I, I, I lost, but it's, but that's but that's kind of who I am though. Like mm-hmm. I'm, you know, that's that's that fan base, and that's how aggressive they are. And yeah. when I came into Oakland, they embraced me with open arms, and I had a great, you know, couple months and year here. And uh, it was at the back end of my career, and I was ready to go. But I enjoyed every bit of it. Um, mm-hmm. I enjoyed the fans. I enjoyed, you know, my family enjoyed the fans. Um, it, it's, it was great, and uh, they're two different types. Of fans, yeah. The, the Raider fans are a little bit different than everyone else's. <laughs> yes, because I remember going to to London with the Raiders and seeing fifty thousand Raider fans travel across from wherever to go see us play the that's Dolphins. Crazy. So it was it was it was good to see. That's that's pretty crazy. Also, you can't be reckless like that. <laughs> Especially even though you know today, I feel like people could find you anyway. Yeah, people just be talking though. They just be talking. <laughs> Ain't nobody about that life. <laughs> I don't want that smoke from the Oakland boy. Were you no. sad to see them see? Were you sad to see the Raiders leave Oakland? Uh, yes and no. Um, sad because what they mean to this area, the East Bay, what they mean to yeah. Oakland, right? That's why Marshawn went back and played. Mm-hmm. A lot of us want to go Charles back. Charles Woodson play went back and Charles played. Charles Woodson. Like, we all like, because what it means to the city, what it means to the people of the Bay Area, like, it's, there's no place like up here, right? Yeah. Um, but I also understand why they left. Because how can the city help build a new stadium when the schools aren't renovated and the schools mm-hmm. aren't up and the textbooks aren't there and the streets are broken 
and there's drug infested areas and there's, you know, crime every which way. How can they give you 600 million and not put that into the city? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I understand from both uh, Mark Davis and the Raiders wanting to get a new stadium, wanting, you know, those things And Vegas is starving for a, a, a team. Right. They got a hockey team. We saw the way that worked out. They did really well there. Uh, the Raiders are expecting mm-hmm. to do the same thing. And mm-hmm. I think still as a the Raider Raider Nation isn't an Oakland Raider fan because they played in L.A. They played all over yeah. the place. Right. Yeah. You're just a Raiders fan in general. And so <laughs> um, I always tell people when this question comes up, like they just give us an excuse to go to Vegas now and act a fool. Why not? <laughs> right. Like I get to go to Vegas. You know what I'm saying? Like if I want to go see I'm about to go to the Raiders game in Vegas. Right. So. It just gives you everything you want. It's the glamour. It's the glamour life for sure. I mean, you know, it's funny. I took, so I'm a Broncos fan, right? So me going to Denver is not as easy, but going to Vegas is not so bad. But I did an NFL team picker thing that we were launching for one of our international sites. And I filled it out and it, it kept switching. It was like Jacksonville, Minnesota Vikings. It's like trying to pick who, based right. on all these random questions. And at the end, it like, it like waited and it popped up and it's like, you're a Raiders fan. And I was like, this is broken. This is broken. I was you are to be, honest, to be honest yes you're a broncos fan but <laughs> deep down inside south central all you are a raider through and through <laughs> i mean it's it's real like i tell people all the time like i always because where i'm from uh i'm from like 40 minutes outside of oakland yeah there's a lot of niners fans and i always told them i'm like i don't understand how you have to drive through oakland to get to san fran and go to candlestick <laughs> like that makes no sense to me you know what i mean but and then everyone's yeah. like well they weren't here I was like, they were here. They yeah. practiced right up the street. Like they were always here. Napoleon Coffin went to my church when I was a kid. Like they were always here. Right. But yeah. you know, people pick and choose. They want to be winners. They want to go with winners. People don't have no loyalty <laughs> no more. Well, I'm definitely loyal, but I will say, did you ever think with, like you said, two years later, you see how the NFL has expanded. Now they're thinking about potentially playing in Germany. I didn't, I just learned that the NFL had played a preseason game in Tokyo many, many years ago. But the importance that you've seen the Jacksonville Jaguars being able to build their their fan base international and you being internationally very popular over there, hosting the Monday Night Football UK show with our friend Kirsten Watson, and then just kind of getting that embrace that you were on BBC radio. Like you're very popular internationally. Yeah, you know, it, it was uh, it ended up being a great opportunity for me. Uh, first, I have to thank, you know, Shad Khan for having that vision of wanting to get the Jags over there and build their brand. Mm-hmm. Um, if he didn't have that vision, it would be another team over there doing that. Mm-hmm. Right. So the Jags opted to do that, uh, which was in line with the NFL and what they wanted to do. The NFL yeah. wants to grow this brand to be worldwide. And so uh, that works well with you know, my alter ego, Indiana Jones Drew, who likes to travel the world and do <laughs> yeah. all this crazy stuff, you know? We're going to touch on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Indiana Indiana has been wilding out a little bit. But um, I, I love teaching the game of football. I coach youth. I coach youth football. I coach um, high school football. So it's all about teaching to me. And so having the opportunity to go over to London and be, do the BBC radio or do the, um, the Monday night games mm-hmm. on Channel 5 here, uh, for our fans to be able to break the game down to and explain it to them. To me, yeah. that's what I love about That's what football did. Football, someone taught me football and forever I'm indebted to that person and the, or those people who taught me the game at different levels. Yeah. And then I'm just trying to pay it forward by teaching it to the children and to anyone else that's interested. And so to get the opportunity to go over to the overseas and 
meet people and talk to people and take pictures and learn their <laughs> culture and yeah. teach them our culture and teach them our game is awesome. And yes, like the NFL, I, I went to Brazil. I was in Rio. We have an office in Rio. They have an office in Tokyo. They have an office in China. They have an office in Europe, right? There, I feel like a lot of people don't. I feel like people don't know that. No, the game is expanding, and I want to yeah. be on the forefront of that with the NFL to help push it to everywhere. Because there's, you know, again, like it's so funny. You see some of these guys and the international players that are in the NFL playing mm-hmm. really well right now. Yeah, and so guys are from Australia and guys are from the UK. People are from uh, Mexico and all over mm-hmm. the place, Canada. And it's like, dude, like. I mean, Chase Claypool is from Canada. Yeah. Right? Like, like yeah. those 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 type of athletes are that are playing football because they saw the NFL either play in there and like he probably went to a Toronto, a Buffalo Bills game in Toronto or something, right? And was like, yeah. oh my God, I want to. So we're trying to grow this game and expand it. You're seeing more and more players come out that understand it. And credit to those coaches who are coaching those guys and teaching them the techniques and credit to the yeah. people who are behind the scenes making all this work and the people who are funding it as well, which the NFL does a great job of making sure that they have the proper equipment mm-hmm. and all the stuff that's going on. So it's a big, it's a big production. Yeah. Um, I just want to be part and help be, I guess, be the mouthpiece to help <laughs> keep it going. Are you learning any new languages? No, nah, I'm, I'm, you know, I know I'm un poquito espanol, uh, un poquito but that's about it. <laughs> well, if you got me in the forefront, we got to teach you some of these languages. Yeah, I need to learn be- a little bit. A little bit. So you transitioned pretty smoothly into broadcasting. Um, I know that you, you you credited UCLA for kind of being in the in the number two market and preparing you, whether it was by being in all, a lot of interviews, seeing different media. How did you make that transition of balancing NFL Network with the Rams as well as MNF UK, everything post your NFL career? So it's so it's a it's a funny story. When I was in college, I I went to a private all boys school, it's a college prep school, but they put every mm. freshman athlete into we call it like remedial English, just in case like we all start, so we all can get together and kind of go through it. So mm-hmm. you know, there's some schools, some kids didn't, you know, the, whatever it might have been, they might not understand the you know how to write an essay or a thesis or how to do all these different things. So we'd be in school, but I was advanced. I'd already did all this. Yeah. Um. And so. When I get there, there was a couple of us in there. It was funny. Um, There's a couple of us in there, you know, and there's some that needed some, most that didn't. Um, so we're in there and the teacher is like, you're bored. I'm like, very bored. And she's like, well, how about you prepare something each week and then you have to speak it uh, or you have to present it in front of the class. And I was like, all right, that's easy. Like I could do that. But speaking in front of your peers may be the hardest thing to do because you get emotional because you care about how they, they see you. And Mm -hmm. so she was teaching me different techniques of how to use things like, you know, the whole picture, everyone naked type of thing (laughs) that'll calm you down or, but what I said was if I can, if I can articulate what I want to these guys and then whoever else is in here and they all can get it from guys that I grew up with or guy people that don't know me and they all can understand where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, it'll help me out with anything I want to do after this. If, if, if I'm on the CEO of a company or if I'm in board meetings or if I am on TV, you know? And so I did that for 10 weeks and I ended up falling in love with it because it was like, you know, I have guys throwing papers at me. Guys are snickering, they're texting, you know, just doing the funny stuff. But it became a challenge that I could, I could try mm-hmm. to go to. And so when I got drafted, I remember telling my agent like, hey, I want to look at this media thing to kind of see what it was like. And so, so you had that vision before, before you even 
Well, Sorry, UCLA had a couple, yeah, they had a couple like TV things there, yeah. but I never went really did because I didn't have time, but I was interested, right? I was interested mm-hmm. to see how our old colleague, uh, Lindsay, uh, who was Lindsay Rhodes, she's Lindsay, or she was Lindsay Rhodes now, she was Lindsay Soto then. Um, <laughs> she had a camera crew, she was like, in, but she was our age, right? So I'm like, yeah. oh my goodness, like, how is it? And there was a lot of people like that. Adam Rank was another guy. Uh, who we work with uh, that's on NFL Fantasy that would do those things as well. So I was always interested to see, yeah, like what would that was like. And so when I got to Jacksonville, I had an opportunity to do a radio show and a TV show there. I was oh, wow. god awful, horrible, <laughs> worse. Okay, but I had reps of getting better with only a small market seeing me, yeah. and I was able to kind of grow my brand. And SiriusXM came about where I had my own radio show for nine years running. Wow. Um, and so that kind of like set, set me up for life after football. I have to credit my agent who, when I first got in the league, he was like, Hey, we need to think about what you want to do now. And I'm like, dude, I just got in the NFL. Like, let me make this money. He's like, he's like, dude, let's say you played 10 years. You're 20 years old. You'll be 30. You're going to have so much more life to go. You need to have something to keep you occupied and, and, and have your, you know, kind of take up your time. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, so fast forward, I, I retire, sign with NFL Network, Sirius XM, uh, lose Sirius XM, go to the Rams, do the NFL UK. And all these things are something that I'm passionate about, right? They're things that I love. I love football. I love talking to people. I love interacting with people. I love debating. You know, right? it's all these things. And it just seemed to me that football, like that the TV side worked well for me. Some guys, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did the broadcast boot camp my second year in the NFL, which kind of put me in the position to be, you know, to kind of go to all these different places. And I enjoyed it. Um, some people like Nate Burleson, where I got there, they took off. Nate's taken off. He's gone. I'm happy for him. <laughs> We're seeing other guys like Ryan Clark started to take off and yeah. a lot of people. And, you know, some people always say, like, do you want to do more? I'm happy where I am. Right. I, I'm happy doing the things that I'm doing. I love the traveling aspect and seeing new cultures. I love learning new things. I love going to training camp. I love all the things that we do. Yeah. And I also love working for the Rams because that's a challenging aspect of being able to describe something on radio to people who are driving yeah. in their car, what kind of play is going on and why the play happened that way. And so um, to me, it's, it's, it's been a very uh, satisfying, you know, retirement to this point because I'm doing something that I love to do. I feel like you really like the nuts and bolts of the game. Oh, you know, yeah. you really like getting the inside of it. And it's funny because I feel like you want to credit your debate team back in the day for how you how good you are now, especially when you debate on fantasy, especially when you like you get really into it and to the point where they're like, all right, I'm dirty. All right, well, you win. <laughs> you have to, you have to, you know, I think a lot of kids, if you want to, I think if anyone wants to get in the TV yeah. and be an on-air talent, because there's other things in TV that you can do, right? Right. right Obviously right. you producer, edit you know, the, behind the camera, all the different things you want to do. But if you want to get in front of the camera, yeah, you should always try to better your craft. And a lot of times in today's world, you either have to pick a side of the fence. You can't, yeah. you know, straddle the fence here. So you yeah. got to be, you know, black or white. And so debate helped me with that because I can be either side because right. I know the argument that I would have on the other side, right? And so I can debate whatever argument that I want uh, which allows me to kind of be more versatile and do more things. And so, yeah, debate was definitely one of the the bigger things that I I appreciate. Yeah, I took a speech class, which required, I took a speech class, which required, you know, debating and debate, like, like long, 
persuasive speeches or like being trying to be persuasive, trying to be competitive, argumentative, and then informational. Like you had to do like all four, which definitely helped me out going into the media world. And I know that you, everyone has rookie mistakes in the NFL. What was your rookie mistake in media? Um, I think just my mannerisms. Like if I, if I, you'll catch me every now and then if someone says something that I don't agree with, I'll be like, what? You know, like, <laughs> where are you kidding me? Uh, which is entertaining, but you don't want to demean or, you know, kind of, you know, get like, make it personal. We're just talking about football or we, ha- we yeah. it's okay to have a difference in opinion. Um, I think that might've been because I, I remember my first year at the network, um, I did a Madden show. We were playing video games on TV. It was a crazy I remember thing. that. I remember that. Um, and we were playing something and someone said something out of pocket. And I kind of looked at the guy like, this guy doesn't know, no, 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 but he saw it as like disrespect. And he was like really upset about it. It was oh. like another, a guest. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh bro, like no, like no hard feelings. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> um, it happens. Those things yeah. happen. And so I always try to, to me, I always try to, you know, make sure people feel comfortable Mm-hmm. And we can have a playful banter back and forth, but it doesn't need to yeah. be like aggressive and attacking. You know what I mean? And that's, yeah. again, I told you growing up, I was an aggressive kid, right? <laughs> so yeah. sometimes my mannerisms become that, but I try to always watch those. You have to like tone it down in, in those in those scenarios. I guess, does it ever surprise you? I know you said like Nate took off and Ryan Clark took off. Did it ever surprise you how popular you are internationally? Mm, yeah. I mean, you know, it's you, when we talk, you don't think that we we talk to people overseas or we talk to people <laughs> around the world. Like yeah. normally time, a lot of times when I speak, I try to speak to the person that I'm speaking to, or I'll look right. to the camera and I'll picture my daughter or my son behind the camera and I'm talking to them or the camera guy, I'm talking to them, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but really you're speaking to, you know, billions of people around the world. And so, yeah. Um, it is surprising sometimes when uh, a couple years ago I was at a, a bar after the games watching after the London game, watching all the other games play, right? And it was so funny because uh people were like, Hey, 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 and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, man, I gotta watch this stuff for, for, for tomorrow. You know what I mean? I'm about yeah. to get on this flight. I need to know what these games are going on. Yeah. But um, oh you I appreciate it so much because you know, if I can make them happy or change the way they're feeling or make them, you know, feel a little bit of happiness for, you know, 10 minutes. Why not do that? <laughs> so you had an amazing nine-year career. And now, like you said, your alter ego, Indiana Jones. What has been the best part of traveling? What made you decide, like, you know what? I want my football life to be more than just me playing on the field. I want to be in different countries and, and expand this culture. Because I, I remember before you went to Brazil, remember I, I was talking to Henry, Henry, for the people that don't know, Henry is a guy we work with at the NFL Network. And you were like, where do I go? Like to Brazil? Like I want to go to the slums. I want to go to the hood. Like I really want to experience I want to experience life. I want to feel it. Um, it's funny you say that because I was always terrified to 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 – travel when I was a player because you hear so many stories and I had guy teammates that would travel. They'd come back and they'd have, they'd get sick. And I'd be like, dude, I don't want nothing to mess with football. <laughs> like you don't know how happy I am to be here at this level. Like to be able to make it to this level and to perform, I'm going to do everything I can to keep performing at a high level. Yeah. Um, but it literally, I want to say the Rams went to London maybe like three or four years ago 
and I went there and I didn't go out. I just stayed in the in my room. And my buddy was like, bro, we're going to go to Amsterdam. I was like, oh, I'm okay. He's like, you sure? I was like, yeah, I'm cool. So I stayed in the room. Yeah. And I remember coming back and my boys were like, bro, why didn't you go to Amsterdam? Like, what the hell is wrong with you? And I was like, oh, I just didn't want to do it. And then this next year or two years later, we go back. The Rams play the Bengals. And then the Jags play the Texans. So mm-hmm. I ended up having to stay for two weeks. And oh, my wow. cousin came with me and we made a like a whole trip out of it. So we yeah. started off in Paris and then we went to Amsterdam. Then we went to London. Then we went to Barcelona. Then we went back to London. Yeah. And I was like, bro, this is not bad at all. Actually, this is amazing. <laughs> and so I had got the travel bug. And this is before yeah. Indiana Jones Drew came about. I was like, dude, I want to go see South America now. So I go to South America and, and I... I'm traveling all through South America, meeting up with different colleagues and different friends in different countries, uh, Costa Rica, then went to Medellin, Colombia, then went to Peru and did Machu Picchu where I hiked, you know, Machu Picchu would have never thought I'd do something like that. <laughs> then from there went to Buenos Aires and walked around there. And from there went to Iguazu Falls where wow. I saw spiders the size of my hand. Oh, um, hell no. So, okay, let me write, I'm going to write that name down because I'm not Listen, there. Toucan Sam's were flying <laughs> everywhere monkeys all over the place. It was, it was awesome. And then I went to Rio, right? And when I went to Rio, you hear so many crazy stories about it. But when I remember going there and it's funny because in February, it's, that's their summertime, right? You don't, yeah. that's, a, that's another thing. I didn't even know it was really like that. So <laughs> February is their summertime. So I'm like, oh man. Um, and just seeing the people out in carnival and the, the yeah. excitement and the energy, it was crazy. And so I'm like, dude, I, I got to do this again. So yeah. I had a, a trip planned for Italy and Greece that May. Um, but because of COVID, it, it you yeah. know it didn't go. And, and then I had a trip. I was planning this trip to Africa with one of my buddies. Um, and I go to Africa. We, we decide to go and we go to Egypt. And I to know German that our country pictures. is only like 400 years old maybe or 200 years or whatever it might have been however old our country is um to know that there have been people on this planet for six thousand years to know that there's stuff still standing from six thousand years and then that's where indiana jones drew came about because (laughs) at this point only indiana jones would do some of the stuff that i was doing but to do all the stuff that i was doing you had to add the drew at the end and (laughs) that's kind of where it came about and so went to egypt and and there were and this is the crazy part. There are football fans in Egypt. I have a picture. I'm a, I'm going to show you. Let me find it. I have a picture of me hanging out uh, in the middle of the night in uh, Giza, where the pyramid, the Great Pyramid of Giza, uh-huh. where they are, or that one is, and then the other two by it. But there is a guy, okay, wearing an Aaron Rodgers jersey. Can you see that? (laughs) With horses and camels all around him. If you don't tell me (laughs) that football is not the greatest sport this world has ever seen, then I don't know. People may say soccer. I get it because the world plays it. But to be in Giza and to see an Aaron Rodgers jersey, mind you, that was taken at like 2 in the morning. (laughs) Me and my buddy uh, went on a a camel camel desert ride at 2 o'clock in the morning. And to see a guy wearing that. Like there's that's wild. Like and so and that's the last thing you're like. That's the last thing I, that I see. No question. I was, <laughs> are you kidding me? And so I knew then, like, wow, like this is this this was in May. I was like, this is crazy. And so I um, 
you know, went from there. We went all throughout Egypt to learn, went to Luxor, Aswan, a bunch of other places. Mm-hmm. Um, then we went to Turkey, Istanbul. Then we ended up going to Dubai as well. And football was everywhere. And, and yeah. to me, that was that is the most important thing is that football is everywhere. Yeah. And people love it and people want to be around it. People want to be, you know, a part of it. And again, if I can be an ambassador or the mouthpiece of the NFL to help push this game, why not do it? I mean, all the places you name, people will go their whole life for not even visiting one of them, let alone all of them. And you do a highlight of each one on your Instagram story. So make sure you guys go and check that out on his Instagram page. What has been your favorite place and which place is next? Whew, favorite place is tough. I, mean, I love Barcelona. I love. I, I think I want to go back to that first trip I did, where I, I did Paris, Amsterdam, Barcelona. I want to. I think I want to do that trip again. Okay. Um, just because I, you know, it was my first time doing. I really didn't know what to do, and now that I'm a seasoned world traveler, <laughs> I know what to go look for now. Yeah. Um, but I, I can't wait to see the Colosseum of Rome. Mm. Um. That to me is going to be crazy because I believe I was, you know, I love the movie Gladiator. I believe that back then I could have lived in there and and did it. Like, I'm a Game of Thrones fan. Like, so I'm like, like, I believe like those times I could have lived in. So I want to see all the wonders of the world is the one. But uh, I think Rome is next. uh, Athens, Greece Mm -hmm. um, and Italy maybe next. Um, I want to do the Great Wall of China. I want to go to Cambodia. I want to go to... um, India and see the Taj Mahal. I want to see, I just want to see and touch everything, right? Because at some point in time, someone great was walking through there. And I feel yeah. like, shoot, I just want to rub elbows or just get be in the presence <laughs> of greatness. And maybe that'll help me be a better, you know, be a better human being. So, so what are, I guess, what are the ones on your bucket list? Like the outrageous oh, ones. You want to hear the craziest one? What? Oh, Antarctica. I want to, you want to go to, I want, I'm no, I'm not want to. I'm going to go to Antarctica and step <laughs> foot on there. I got into photography, so I have cameras, drones, GoPros, all different type of stuff that I'm gonna use. Uh huh. Like I have, I have, I have nothing but footage, literally, this of me doing like uh, in Egypt. We were going in temples, me and my buddy, like with people from there, like people that you know raised in there and taking yeah. pictures and shooting videos and. Like to me, that it's just exciting to do. So, uh, Antarctica is going to be one. I see a travel show on the Travel and Discovery Channel in your future. Oh, if they if they want to, for sure, you're more than welcome <laughs> to come and join Indiana Jones, Drew, and his friends. But Antarctica, Antarctica is different because I think it's. I want to be able to say I touched all seven continents before I pass away. Right? It used to be until I turned forty, or by the time I turned forty, which I still think I'll be able to get to. Yeah, but. You know, yeah, maybe a little iffy to try to make Let me enjoy the ride. Let me enjoy it. (laughs) But uh, Antarctica, for sure, I want to be able to touch and and be like, yo, like, Indiana Jones Drew was here. You know what I mean? Because, (laughs) like, who else would you... Do you know anyone that's been in Antarctica? No. Everyone that watches this podcast, I want you to think back and say, do I know anyone that went to Antarctica? Because if you don't, Indiana Jones Drew will be the first. And that's all I want to be is number one in everyone's mind. And that's how we're going to drop the mic because MJD has been such a great, such a great guest. And before we let everybody go on our podcast, we do ask them, what is the best quote or the best advice you've ever received in your life? Wow. Um, uh, I think uh, you can't be afraid to fail. That's, I don't know the quote, but that was advice that I got as a young kid. 
Um, it's okay to fail, right? But make sure when you do fail, you learn from it and you always continue to move forward. You take it as a lesson and you move forward. Um, that was always something that I did. Uh, I tried to try new things and push myself. Um, there was a point in time where I was scared to fail and I didn't do my best. And so I learned then that like, it's okay to fail. It's okay to fall, right? Just get back up and then keep going forward. And that's kind of what life is. And so, uh, like I told you guys before, I was nervous to travel. I was scared to do a lot of things in my life. Um, but I did it and they're exciting. I want to go, I want to go skydiving. I want to do all this stuff. <laughs> Craziness. But yeah, like it's okay to fail. Life happens, but let's yeah. learn from it and let's move forward. Well, I'm super proud of everything you've been doing. It's crazy to see how a young, aggressive kid tackling people in flag football is now <laughs> taking on the Antarctic of the world and trying to touch all seven continents, which is actually a pretty cool goal to go to. So I, I know you're going to reach it. I don't know when, but you will reach it. I just want you to enjoy enjoy the process. Enjoy the ride that is traveling. Don't try to rush it all, but before, like, you know, enjoy it. I will. And I appreciate you got, it. Now you got an extra ticket. Let me know. I'll let you know. Too. I'll let you know if we get the travel show, <laughs> we can do our thing. Big facts. All right, guys. Well, there it is. Thank you to everyone for listening to Sportsish. I'm your host, Elisa Hernandez. You can follow me on Twitter at eHernandezTV and on Instagram at Hernandez underscore LA. Thank you again to MJD, internationally known Indiana Jones Drew for coming on the show. Make sure you follow him um, at m.jonesdrew32 on Instagram and on Twitter. So appreciate you guys for listening. Make sure you like, subscribe, share. And until then, MJD, we out of here. See you later. (laughs) You just got done listening to my interview with MJD. But before we head out, I have to play the latest song from an artist right here in LA. Make sure you follow him on at Taz on the Beat Doe. The song is out on all platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, and Tidal, so make sure you guys check it out. Here it is, The Code. Told the homie I remember when they ain't fuck with me back then. Now they trying to tap in like, Taz, what's happening with you? I was like, damn, couldn't wait to get my chase. I got to stick to the plans. I had to stick to the code. I'm like, damn. Bitch, I'm the motherfucking man. If they ain't know, they better understand that I'm from the city of Rose. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.